Welcome to the Lucius Lyron Podcast, where we dive deep into the mysteries of the universe and our place in it. I am your host, Lucius Lyron. Today, I will be speaking on a personal matter, more about my personal life, on why I am not a Christian. So, Happy New Year to all you beautiful people out there. I hope you stayed safe and had an amazing uh, New Year's Eve and are looking forward to this year being the year of the dragon. I know for myself, this is going to be a very important special year but also a year of revelation for a lot of us, which I will get into that on a completely different episode because I do want to speak about this seven year time period that we are experiencing with this solar eclipse that began in 2017 and is ending in 2024 this year so but you have to stay tuned for that episode (laughs) but today i'm going to speak on my personal life one of the things that i try to do is to not only share information that i come across in research but also share Just things even within my own personal life, because I feel like when it comes to storytelling, that experience storytelling, at least to me, is always the best because you get to learn something from individuals that maybe you may not have experienced and learn different things. And for me, that's the beauty of being a a person who seeks knowledge all the time because I'm constantly open to hearing new things from other individuals that experience life different from me. And that should be the case really with all humans and even non-humans. We all should be open to learning from one another and sharing this whole experience that we call life because life truly is an experience, whether it's in the physical realm or in the non-physical realm, life is life and life is not, it's endless. It, It doesn't end at all. It's just always in a cycle. But I want to share, like I said, something with my personal life And a question that I feel like I get asked, I've been asked a lot over the years. And and even for people that have even known me just growing up and stuff like that, I don't think I've ever really explained why. So, uh, you know, this is going to be the reason of why I am not a Christian and why I just don't believe in really any faith-based doctrine and hopefully 
with me sharing this story, that it will encourage you to dive deep into the mysteries of life and hopefully inspires you to maybe see things even in a different perspective. Because what I find very common with a lot of people is people love to push their perception on people. And when you do that, one, it closes off the person that you are speaking to because it feels very forced that you're trying to be like, no, my perception of the world is the correct one. And that's just not a great place to start. And I feel like a lot of religious people do that. Very keen and gung-ho on their perception of what they feel is the truth. And it's not a great way because one thing that I've learned about the truth is that the truth needs no defense. You don't need to be defensive. You don't need to be argumentative towards other people. Because if it's the truth, what the hell are you arguing about then? It's nothing to argue. I don't need to argue anything or try to prove a point if it's coming from a place of truth. There's no point of it, right? So a lot of people waste a lot of time trying to have these debates and arguments and really what their truth is really their opinion. And an opinion is an opinion, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's the truth for everyone. It might be the truth for you personally, and that's fine, but you can't be popping off and coming off thinking that your truth applies for everybody else because that's not true. <laughs> that's not being truthful if you feel that way feel like you got the only way, the only path, you don't. Okay. So let's dive into a backstory and I will tell you a personal story about me. So ever since I was three years old, I have always been around the church. And at that age, between three and five, it was also a time period where my parents were like newbie Christians and so newbie and on fire for God and all that stuff that my father decided to become a youth pastor. So he got into ministry. Okay. So I was being brought up in ministry at church. And me personally, I was always, to me, I feel like I was always a thinker, even at a young age. And I would tell my parents stuff that it would blow their minds and stuff. And, and it, it got to a point where they had to go get me tested to, to test my IQ level because they were like, okay, <laughs> What is going on? Like, how is he knowing stuff? How is this kid this intelligent and only four years old? Like, how is this even possible? 
And they did that. Apparently, I scored high. I don't remember what the score was. I don't know if it was like 165 or something like that. I have no idea. I, I know it was high up there. I just don't know the exact number. But apparently, I scored really high on this IQ test that, to be honest with you, I don't remember even taking. <laughs> I don't remember it really. But my parents told me about it. So, yeah. And so when I was like eight years old and there was this whole rule in our very strict religious household with these newbie Christians, my parents. And it was that, at least with my father, we had to read the Bible every summer. Okay. The whole freaking summer. We had to read the Bible. I don't even know if he's ever read the whole Bible. I don't think he has because, and, and I'll get to that point a little bit later uh, in the story. Uh, <laughs> because after asking him some questions, I'm like, bro, I don't think you read this book. <laughs> but yet you want to force me to read it for whatever reason, because I love to read books. Which is very true. I was huge into like mystery and adventure type books. That was like my jam. Love reading those kind of books. And then I also had love just reading just informational books as well. Uh, yeah. So I was real big on that, real big on words. I, when I was like in fifth grade, I was in a spelling bee competition and stuff. I can't remember what place I won. I don't remember if I got first or second. I don't know. Like I said, like that, that, that whole part of my life, I vaguely remember a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I was just a freaking nerd, basically. I'm still a nerd today, but even more so of a nerd back then. I just did nerdy stuff because I don't know. That's, that was the thing to do in the late 80s, early 90s and stuff. But anyway, so I, I was eight years old and I just had this thought that at eight was just really interesting. A lot of it had to do with even dreams. Like my, I remember my dreams being so vivid that it felt like memories. Okay. It felt like memories. And with these newbie Christians that my parents were, they wasn't really open to really anything. If they felt that it wasn't coming from their religious God, then it had to be something of the devil and all this other crazy culty stuff. And so it, I was very closed off, like made me not really open up and really be myself because I felt like I couldn't talk to these adults about anything because it, if it wasn't something religious factor, then, you know, it's like there was really no conversation of anything enlightening. So at eight years old, I asked my dad a question because I was curious about something and I thought, and I felt it was very off one. I didn't understand why the Christian God hated women so much. I didn't understand that because I knew that I came out my mother's womb and I felt that was very important. And I just didn't understand why 
this apparently all loving God, all knowing, blah, 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 whatever, would create something and then talk shit about it. <laughs> like, what sense does that make? Like, it, it, God to me, the Christian God seemed very human to me. A lot of human characteristics that I'm just like, that, that doesn't seem like divinity to me because anything that is supposed to have created all of creation, why would you like talk shit about your creation and put it down and then keep it alive just to keep putting it down? Like that just made no fucking sense to me. It really didn't. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's weird. And keep in mind, I'm eight years old thinking this shit, thinking like a grown up. So then I asked my dad, I was like, like, why are there so many like male angels? And not just male angels, very descriptive saying that these are just beautiful male angels, blah, blah, blah. And there ain't no female angels. There ain't no goddesses around. That is strange. That is very weird. Why are there no female angels? And why are there no goddesses at all? It's just all just male, just masculine energy. Womp, 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 womp. Okay, red flag for me. That was a huge red flag for me. And so when I asked this intelligent question to my pastor father, he had nothing intelligent to say, but don't question what God wants. Oh, okay. <laughs> Okay, that's your intelligent answer is don't question. Okay, very interesting because the very book that you are telling me to read, he says to question him. So I'm a little confused about that then. You're telling me don't question him. And yet this God that you want me to read about tells me to question him. How about we make it make sense? That would be nice. And so after that, I was like, okay whatever. Not interested, really. So as the years progress, I've been involved in all different types of ministries from the Azusa Street Revival, very big in the healing ministry and Benny Hinn, all that stuff back in the 90s, all the revival stuff that was happening. I was a part of all that stuff. And witness a lot of stuff <laughs> that just was very questionable things. And so as I got to be a teenager, I, I was, because I lived in my father's house, we were forced to go to church. It was, it was never like, and, and that was, I think that was one of the things that was such a turnoff for me was the fact that I felt like I had no say so or option to be like, hey, you know what? This is just not for me. And that should be okay. I don't think anybody, doesn't matter if you're a parent, you should never force another human being to do something if they don't feel comfortable doing. Like that, that, that is the biggest mistake you older generation have made is that mistake right there is forcing other individuals to do stuff that they don't want to do. 
I don't think that's cool and terrible parenting on your part. Okay. Whether you like that or not, I don't care. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. So anyway, so when I became a teenager, I did like church plays. I used to write sketches and stuff. I've always been a writer for a very long time. Even when I was like a kid, like started writing when I was 12. I wrote a whole book when I was 12 years old for kids. So I, the church that I went to at the time uh, that we were going to at the time, I was part of their youth ministry and did all that stuff, whatever. And the one thing I will say about going to church and, and all that kind of stuff, the only good thing about it is the community aspect of it. I did love that part. And I think that's the part that I guess made me going because all the rest of it was, I was very un uninterested in it because I have read the book, read it so many times at this point. You got to remember, I, I've been reading this book since five. So from five to 15, 16 years old, I'm like, this book is boring to me. Nobody reads this book at all. <laughs> so there really ain't nothing to talk about. So I, like I said, I was part of the youth ministry. I used to write sketches and did puppet shows, all that kind of stuff. I did, I did all that. And I was like, I just, I have no interest because I was pretty much being groomed and trained to be in ministry that, and, and growing up, I used to hate hearing friends of the family asking, oh, you gonna, you gonna follow in your father's footsteps? Absolutely not. I'm not trying to follow in this man's footsteps at all. <laughs> no. And during that time frame, especially being in high school, and I ended up falling in love with theater and doing acting and becoming an actor and all that stuff. And so I got involved in that. And then by the time I was 16, I got discovered by a modeling agency and, and then it led me to doing commercials and all that stuff. I was like, you know what? I want to become an actor. I want to be in Hollywood. I want to. This is going to be my career. This is my life path. I just felt that very strongly. I don't want to do ministry because I don't believe in none of this stuff. And I don't agree with anything that this book says or anything like that. I just, I don't, I don't want to do none of it. So then I go off to Hollywood, which that could be a whole nother podcast. I got a ton of stories to talk about my experience being in Hollywood. Yeah, I could talk a lot about that. But we're going to stay on topic when it comes to why well, I'm not a Christian. So we're going to fast forward to some years later, and we're going to jump into 2008. 2008 is very important, a very significant time, because the writer's strike happened in 2007, September of 07. Never will forget it because my contract with HBO at the time, my deal that I was having with Comedy Central at the time, all went void 
Okay. Keep in mind, I signed, I was signing some big contracts too, by the way. Okay. Like millions. <laughs> okay. So your boy had millions of dollars on the table. And when that strike happened and we were hoping it was going to be like a short term thing. I, a part of me wished that it was short, just like how this recent writer strike was, but this thing lasted for three years. Okay. And what saved Hollywood, believe it or not, Marvel did. Thanks Marvel for saving Hollywood <laughs> because man, it was a rough three years at that point, but because of the chain of events that happened, it has led me to this point that I'm at right now in my life, which I'm very thankful for and grateful for. And I'll get to that a little bit more. So 2008 came and I guess let me go back to December of 2007. I had a very powerful, profound dream, which has always been the case for me. Ever since I've been a kid, I just have these very powerful, vivid dreams that actually happen. In this dream, my grandmother, who had passed away when I was 16, came to me and told me that I was not on the path that I was supposed to have been on. And so in my mind, I'm thinking like, if you about to say ministry, <laughs> absolutely not. This is a false dream. But she didn't say that. She told me that my path was more spiritual than it was religious. And I said, oh, what the hell does that mean? What? So we get to 2008. Remember, keep in mind, I had that dream 07 and December. And it was around September of 2008 where I really started to really start to dive deep into studying things. And so what I did was I had bought, oh my goodness, I had bought like a, what was known as like a paleo Hebrew Bible. I bought a strong concordance. Like I was buying all different types of books. I was trying to be like, okay, where is the oldest text? I bought a Torah I bought all different types of stuff and I'm like, okay, if I'm going to be on a spiritual path and then I need to understand that if this book is real, then I need to see some proof. And if it's not, then I need to see the origin of where these stories come from. And I don't know why I had this thought or had this like intuitive, like passion to be like, what's the origin of these stories? Because 
there is some truth to it, but there is a lot of deception and a lot of transliteration in here that has been plagiarized by men. So I need to figure out what the origin is. And at the time, the only thing I could think of was I need to read the book in Aramaic and I need to read the book in Greek in order to understand what these words mean. Because once it's gotten to modern day English, a lot of the words that were in there originally got taken out and changed to something else. And I'm like, okay, that was done purposely. So you can't sit up here as a pastor or preacher, tell me you can't change the word of God, but yet you men do. So miss me with that. <laughs> like, that's just so contradictive. Like what? And you know, what's very interesting is that even like, the Christian Bible is not even owned by Christians, which is funny. Like it comes from a different publishing company. So it's like, you guys are so gung ho about a book that you don't even own. You don't even have the rights to, which I find very interesting too. Is like, if you got so powerful, why do you not own the rights to this book to where people in the publishing company, could they just change anything they want? It must not be that sacred of a book. Um, because it, it seems if you have so many different translations and so many different whatever, at that point, to me, what's holy about that book at that point? What's so divine about a book that can constantly be changed? You know what I mean? But guess what? You don't hear people doing that with the Emerald Tablets, though. You don't hear people doing that with the Sumerian Tablets. Interesting. But with the Bible, this is the one holy book that can get changed to all type of stuff. You can even change it to have words that Gen Z understands. Interesting. Like the fuck? Like, how are you able to do this shit? That's what I want to know. So must not be that sacred of a book. If you can change it that many times, just saying like, that would be like somebody taking the books that I've written and decide to change it without my permission. Like, first off, you would get sued for that. You understand what I'm saying? Like, you cannot do that. But with the most important book in the world, apparently, you can do that, too. Somebody please make it make sense. I, I, that's what I want to know. Make it make sense. And that has always been my problem. With. The religion of Christianity is there's no concrete evidence of anything that anyone talks about. It can't be. The, like this whole and like important of a book when there is no valid scientific historical records of anything that has ever been talked about in this book according to the names that they want to put in this book now after a while i ended up finding out when the bible was first printed okay the first Bible was printed around 1616. Okay. The first Bible didn't even make it to America, not till 1638. Okay. I guess we're not talking about something that's a 2000 year old book. If it just barely made it to America in 1638, the book is like 300 some years old. Not, it's not a very old book guys it really isn't that has been changed multiple times. Okay. Growing up in ministry, 
you are told that the best version of the Bible to read is the King James authorized version of the book. Okay, let's pause for a minute. If any book says that this is the only book you should read, and red flag, that is a red flag. That's an automatic red flag. Like, what? What? Okay, why only this version and not the original version? Can somebody make that make sense? Okay, cool. So, once again, I cannot be convinced that this book is a book of truth when it's so many versions and plagiarisms happening in a book. It's hard for a person like me to be like, oh, this is the truth. It's not. It's amazing how we can go into a judicial court system and why are we swearing on a book that is not true? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you mean to tell me that there's no other truthful book to swear on, but we want to swear on this book? It's amazing when you go and look into the Webster Dictionary of what the word court means. It has nothing to do with the judicial system. It says games are being played on courts. Why do we even name our justice system that's supposed to be giving out justice courts? Okay, look at the clown ass words that we sit up here and say things on that's supposed to represent justice and truth. Let's think about that. In Greek, church means circus. Did you know that? I bet you most of y'all probably didn't know that. <laughs> really pay attention to the importance of words. Because me, being a nerd, I'm very nerdy when it comes to words. I, I look shit up. I need to know what the definition of this word means. Because I was told that words hold weight and words are very important. That's very true. Because if you know what something means, then you can understand the power of what a word can do. Not only for yourself, but also to individuals. So keep that in mind. So I go and find out this companion Bible. And in the original Bible that was printed, there was no man named Jesus in that book. Nobody was named Jesus. Now, the most important person in the world, according to Christianity, and there is nobody named that. As a matter of fact, there was anyone in that time frame that he apparently lived in, no one would have been named Jesus as all, at all. If anything, he would have been named like Yahushua or Yeshua. If anything, okay, that would be the true name of this individual, not Jesus. Want to know why? Because the letter J, which actually is the letter I, and I forgot this guy's name, but he put a hook at, at the end of the I, and that's what became the letter J. And that didn't happen until the 17th century. So even the original Bible never had nobody named Jesus. 
In the original Bible, this person's name was Iezus. Iezus means son of Zeus. Did you know that? So really, Jesus means son of Zeus. That makes sense since the Roman Catholic Church is what created the Bible. Constantine and the Council of Nicaea, the whole Council of Fuckboys created this shit. Okay. So, after finding that out, I started to be shown certain things. And keep in mind, like, I, I've been totally guided this whole time, totally guided by the source. And one of the things that really is the most important factor. In Christianity, it's not the Ten Commandments. It's not all the miracles. Jesus, Yeshua did. Has nothing to do with that. The most important thing in Christianity is the resurrection. Okay, this is the driving force of the Christian faith. Is the resurrection story. Okay. And this is the reason why I am not a Christian. Now, if any of those other reasons wasn't going to make me not be one, this reason that I'm about to tell you right now, definitely put the nail in the coffin for me. Okay. And I'm going to tell you this. Hold on a sec. Let me take a little sip of water. Okay, guys. So I'm going to tell you exactly what it is because then after this then i'm going to tell you how i found out where all these stories come from original sources i'm going to get to that here in a minute so the one thing that blew my freaking mind okay now going back a little bit back in we was talking about 08 so this it was around like 09 okay 2009, 2010, around this whole kind of time frame. And the resurrection story is the most important story in the Christian faith because there would be no Christianity without, the the, without this resurrection story. Okay, this is why people celebrate Easter, all this kind of stuff is because it's supposed to be the resurrection story. So there are four gospels, what I would call good spells. Okay. Now for someone to be the most important person in the world, I have no idea why there are no tablets written by Jesus or Yeshua himself. <laughs> I don't get it because there's been a lot of important, pristine figures throughout history that, that have that, but apparently this man doesn't so confused on that. I, I don't understand. It really doesn't make any sense why he would not have anything written down at all because Jesus was a philosopher. He didn't become a prophet, not until he went through the mystery schools in Egypt, like 
You didn't, know, you didn't learn how to scribe? Come on, man. I don't believe that. I think that this, once again, this is a story that is taken from a real figure and got twisted up and somebody's not telling the truth. Okay. So four gospels, I would say this Paul character is really like the main author of the new Testament. He wrote what, like three fourths of the new Testament. It's not much coming from the person that we supposed to be following or whatever. If, if anything, Christians would do themselves a favor and just call themselves like Paul followers, Paul Steens or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Y'all are followers of Paul. You don't follow, you don't follow Jesus at all. You don't. You like to pretend that you do, but when you really read his story, y'all ain't doing none of they ain't doing half the shit that he was doing. But yet y'all are followers of Christ. But really, you're really followers of whatever church you go to, and you follow the person that is known as your pastor, who's supposed to be your shepherd to guide you sheeps. You know what I'm saying? Like, why would you be called sheep? Sheeps are followers. They, they don't have no brain. They can't think for themselves and they need to have some shepherd to shepherd them around all, all over the place. You guys, as shepherds are not enlightened. <laughs> They're just about as blind as you are. So pretty wild. But anyway, going back to Christianity's most important thing, and that is the resurrection story. There's four Gospels. Now, I want you guys to think about this, okay? Especially when we're seeing a lot of these celebrities figures being hit with a lot of lawsuits and things like that, and they're losing, okay? They're losing in court. Now, let's take the resurrection story to court, okay? We need evidence to prove that this is something that actually really happened. Since this is the foundation of your religion, then you better have the truth and nothing but the truth. You better have all your fucking evidence all together because this is the most important thing, according to them. Okay. So, the book of Matthew, the book of Mark, Luke and John all have four different resurrection stories, guys. Four different resurrection stories. Now, have you ever noticed going to church? I feel like the only resurrection story that they may talk about is either in Luke or in John, I believe. I, I, I feel like it's either it's one of those two. Possibly Mark. Nobody really barely touches Matthew, which, by the way, if y'all want to read anything important about Jesus, just read the book of Matthew. That's probably like the best book out of those four. Because <laughs> Matthew, you really understand like Yeshua's like purpose and what was he looking to do and stuff. But anyway, that's like a whole other subject. <laughs> <laughs> but you cannot have four eyewitnesses and they all have a different story. I, I just want to know how the fuck is that possible? I, I really want to know how that's possible because 
that's just, we all got cell phones, okay? If we're all in the same setting and we all bust out our cell phones to record everything that went on because this is being an eyewitness, do you know that our phones would go to court and the judge would be able to see that all the footage recorded from me, Susie, Billy, and John all look the same because we're eyewitnesses. So that means that everything we recorded is the same freaking thing. Maybe at a different angle, maybe at a different perspective, but the recording is all going to show the same shit. Okay. In these four gospels, nothing is the same. But yet, this is the most important thing in the foundation of Christianity. And all four eyewitnesses don't got the same story. In, in one book, the stone is rolled. Then it's like Mary and then Mary Magdalene. Then there's like this, like a gardener in, in there, whatever. Then in another account, it's Mary Magdalene and I think Jesus' brother. And then it's either two angels inside the tomb or it's one angel sitting on top of the tomb. Okay, so it's okay. So who the fuck was really there then? How is it that one minute there's a gardener and then there's not a gardener, then there's an angel sitting on top that's not an angel, then there's two angels inside the tomb, then one minute is not, and then you have two women, then you got three people, then you got one person. It's yo, what account is the right one? You cannot say that these are all eyewitnesses and y'all can't even get the, the correct resurrection story. It's probably because it never was a resurrection story, people. <laughs> it never was one. It never was, just like how there was never no immaculate conception. How do I know there was never no immaculate conception? Let's see. When you read Matthew, it clearly states that when, oh my gosh, I just drew a blank on the terminology that they use in the Bible. I think, you know how like when it said Adam and Eve and it says Adam, like knew his wife. So the same thing happened with, with Joseph. It said that he knew Mary. If he knew Mary, then when you go and look at that word from the strong concordance, and you come to find out what was the word that was there. Whenever it says that it knew somebody, that means that they had sex, people. Okay. So therefore, there was no immaculate conception happening. It just wasn't. And the only reason why they tried to take that story is because they're trying to copy off of Aset and Haru. With that whole immaculate story. Nimrod and his mother. That old stuff. It, it has nothing to do with anything special with Jesus, according to Christianity, when it's just a carbon copy of another story. Like, why do you want, like, it would have been more convincing if they would have just kept it real. Just like how we write down historical people as of today. But the one most important person in the fucking world, you don't have none of that shit correct. <laughs> oh my goodness. Make it make sense, guys. Make it make sense. So after witnessing that, and keep in mind, I'm a realist, okay? I love science, and I also love spirituality. And when shit don't add up, 
then I have to let it go. And, and that was the issue. The foundation of a religion contradicts itself. It does. And when something contradicts itself, I'm out. I'm sorry, but I'm out. That's it. I cannot be a part of, I cannot put my energy into something that just has so many contradictions. And keep in mind, I can go on and on about all the many different contradictions in the Bible where I can do that another time because I would need to take time to actually find different scriptures and really break it down and stuff because I don't read the book like that. So at least not anymore. I don't, but yeah, this is the main reason why I just decided that I don't want to be associated as a Christian. I, I don't want to partake in any Christian shit at all because there is just no truth for me. It really isn't. And I see a lot of people that don't want to take responsibility for themselves. So therefore it's the devil's fault. If anything happens, oh, it's because of God. It's never because of them. It's never because of them taking responsibility of their own life. It's always something outside of yourself. And I don't want to give my energy to anything outside of me because the, the true source, which is energy, lives in everything, lives in all of us. And that source is what the all-knowing source is. And that's a scientific fact. I don't need to have faith or belief for that. I know that's real. And the more and more I connect with source energy that lives in me, lives in you, lives in all living things, is the day that you will even wake up even more so to this thing that we call life. So yeah, that's, that is in, in a brief, what's the word I'm trying to look for in a brief way of me explaining. Cause it's, it's a whole lot of stuff and there's a ton of other things too, but I just wanted to really share about the main thing, uh, because regardless of whichever path you guys choose to be on, always just check and see the history of the energy that you want to tap into. Because I don't want to tap into any energy that may have some karma that I may not want to engage in, if that makes any sense. We, we can't engage in everything. We really can't. We have to be very mindful. We have to be very intuitive of where we want to put our energy into. So I ask you guys, please continue doing research and find what works for you. But for me, Christianity is not the way, it's not the truth, and it's definitely not the life. Definitely not life. It's a death-worshipping religion that I have no interest in it because I am a life worshiper. Okay. So thank you for joining me on the Lucius Lyron podcast. 
If you found value in today's episode, please share it with friends and family. And don't forget to subscribe for more content like this. For more resources, you may check out our website at hotrs13.org. Once again, that's hotrs13.org. Until next time, keep making those small changes in your life and watch how they add up to a transformed life for you. Stay inspired and keep growing. Join me again next time for more discussions on life, astrology, love, science, and spirituality with its connection to our daily lives. And remember to always live in power.